You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, part 13 of 13. Enjoy. Well, let's get into the Word. Let's continue worshiping God. Our attention's on Him. Is the grill on over there, Judah? We got the, Okay, very good. So our attention's on Jesus, and, and we're ready. Lord, we love you so much. It's just such a joy to get up on Sunday mornings and start the week off with your sons and daughters in your presence, being supernaturally changed by your word and by your spirit. And we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for transforming us now. We don't have anything better to do than to be with you. And we thank you that you are are fixing what needs to be fixed inside of us. You're shifting what needs to be shifted, changing what needs to be changed right now. We're trusting you for that. We need you more than the air that we breathe. And we thank you that you've given yourself to us. So shift, transform, change, fix. You've got full right of way in our thinking, in our soul, in our spirit, in our bodies. And we thank you for who you are unveiled to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jennifer and I were chatting uh, this earlier this week, and she had, was listening to a message from Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri, Keith Moore's church. And um, he, it wasn't a, he wasn't there, but uh, one of the pastors there was ministering and said something I thought was so good. He said, you know, people say that the church is a hospital, but the church isn't a hospital. Well, the church is a place for people to come and be healed, absolutely. But a hospital is a place you don't stay at. A hospital is a place you go to, right, and then you leave, right? The church is more than just a hospital. And, you know, she said, I, I agree with her, it's more like a gym. <laughs> In other words, why do we gather on a Sunday morning? It's, it's really not a social club. Um, it's, we're coming to be transformed by God's Spirit through His Word. And the primary function, if you look through the Scriptures, the primary reason that God's people gathered was to hear from God. That was it. New Testament, Old Testament. And the whole reason the church exploded in Acts is because of the message that Peter began to preach and that the, the disciples, the apostles were preaching. They were, it says they were, they were so excited about the message that they just kept coming together. Right? And they, they would sell stuff and bring it to, to the church. And they, it would, but it was built on the Word. And that's the primary reason for church. And I know that's gotten uh, turned into a lot of different things. There's a lot of reasons why people come to church. But I want you to understand the whole reason we're doing what we're doing is to be changed each week by God's living Word and through His Spirit. Everything else takes care of itself. If we're in that vibrant relationship with Him, he takes care of us. So that's why we're here, to be transformed and changed by the Holy Spirit. My boots are squeaking. Or that's the floor squeaking. All right. We got any uh, WD-40 on it? Let's get into the Word. We're going to finish our series this morning, Built Jesus Tough. We're going to bring it to a conclusion. And boy, we've had a great time. And uh, I, uh, my, my goal is each each week and month and is really say, Lord, what do you want to uh, impart to us on Sundays? What do you want to share with us this upcoming week? And we endeavor as best as possible to hear from him and to share what he wants to share. And um, I don't always know the fullness of that or the direction of that many weeks in advance, but uh, I endeavor to plan as far ahead as possible. But sometimes I'll feel that Lord say, stay there. You know, so this is our 13th message in Built Jesus Tough. Yeah, and I was planning on maybe four to six, okay? Um, but but I, I, uh, I, I see the value in planning and thinking and looking forward. But there's uh, something about being led by His Spirit that's invaluable. And that doesn't mean you don't plan, but it means you're, you're following His plan. And the world teaches us how to make a three and five and ten, seven and ten-year goals and to organize our lives. And that's not necessarily wrong, 
but sometimes it's wrong <laughs> so, because God has a greater plan. And if you get locked into your calendar and to what you've determined has to happen, you can miss what God wants to do. So our plans are never set in stone, but we plan as we're led by the Spirit to schedule our calendar. And sometimes I think, boy, there's a whole lot more should be happening, but God says, just walk with me. And sometimes I think there's too much happening, but God says, just walk with me. So it's a wonderful thing to be free from the stress of thinking you have to determine your future, that it's on you. It's not on you. It's on him. If you'll follow him, right? So we make a decision. Who, do I, who is my future depending on? On my wisdom to plan or on his spirit to lead? So that's what we're doing. We're following him, and we're trusting in him to, to take care of tomorrow. So we're just here today. Tomorrow hasn't come yet, right? So there's no sense worrying about it. We're just here right now. And he said tomorrow is going to take care of itself, right? So built Jesus tough. It's a life built on the promises of God. That's what we're doing. We're living our lives by faith in the promises he's given us through Christ. And there are only two steps to being Jesus tough. Number one is making God the Father your all in all. And that's something only you can do. It's a decision we make in the morning, at lunchtime, in the evening, that we choose to make our relationship with God the Father our everything. It's the motivating passion of our lives. It moves us in our thought life, in our speech, in our actions, in the way we spend our time, and our resources. And step number two is building your life on his promises. God's promises reveal to us a new way of living that's beyond anything man could ever come up with. It's beyond any self-help program. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a supernatural way of living. I love Psalm 119, verse 96. It says this, I've seen that everything human has its limits and end. No matter how extensive, noble, and excellent. Boy, have I seen that. But your commandment, your promises are exceedingly broad and extend without limits into eternity. Wow. So we want to build our lives on his word, right, his promises. They're without limits. With God, nothing is impossible. God really has called us to live in the impossible realm, hasn't he? Religion tries to take you back to the what you think is possible realm or what man says is possible. But we're living in the impossible realm. Amen. So we've been going through promises. And early at the end of last year and early this year, I said it'll be the year of God's promises. And each series, that's what we've been focusing on, the promises of God, because they transform us. They change the way we think and they change the way we live. So we've been applying the promises of God to our spirit, to our soul, and to our body. And uh, we, we saw that... that God's given us a prescription for our lives to experience in him. And we said a confession last week, and let's put that up there. But we, the prescription is very simple, to speak his word with our mouths and believe them in our heart. To speak his promises with our mouths and believe them in our heart. That's a way of living. And we went to a night of hope uh, up in Boston on Friday, and uh, Dodie Osteen gave her testimony in 1981, I think it was 81 or 80, she was diagnosed with um, cancer of the liver. I forget the, the, the type, but there, were no, there was no treatment for it in that day, and she was given uh, so many weeks to live, and she was very sick. And, and she said, and, and her husband was a minister, and he prayed over her, and she began to just go over healing scriptures. And she said, I'd speak them over myself daily. And... Uh, her son was relaying when he saw her because were, their children were, were grown and weren't home. And uh, he came home and he said, I never saw my mom like that. She was down to, I don't know how many pounds, 80-some pounds and just so yellow and just looked. You know, you looked at her and you just thought, oh, what happened, you know? But she kept speaking the word, the promises of God. And I think they gave her three weeks at, at that point to live. And three weeks went by and she kept on going. And she said, I just kept filling myself up 
with God's promises regarding healing. And, 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 and the weeks went by, the months went by, and three years later, she was whole. You know, you say, three years, that's a long time. Well, isn't, isn't it worth it? But now, she's, she at that time was uh, 48, I think. She's 81 now. 83, excuse me, 83. So I don't know if I got my math right, but it was something like that. In her late 40s, and now she's 83, standing, you know, before thousands of people. And she says, and you know what I do? I take, she says, I take my medicine every day. She's talking about the promises of God. She said, I, have my, I, I, wrote, I just began to go through the scriptures, healing scriptures, back when I was facing that issue, and I would just say them daily. She says, and I've been doing that every day since, and I'm 83 years old now. She said, God's word is my medicine. And it works. So God has given us his prescription. And sometimes people will say the promises of God, and a day goes by and nothing changes. And they say, oh, man. Oh. Well, what else do I do? So they start looking somewhere else. You don't, you don't quit. This is not a little recipe for Monday. This is a way of living. We speak it over our lives, and we don't settle for anything less, regardless of what it might feel or look like. We keep going. If it takes three years... We keep going, right? But you see, during that time, she grew stronger and stronger and stronger, and I've seen that in my life. There are times I experienced healing almost instantly or instantly. There are times it happened over a period of days, weeks, months, or years, but I kept speaking the word and standing on it. And you grow stronger and stronger and stronger as you do it, okay? What if she would have quit after three weeks? What if she would have said, well, they told me three weeks. It's been three weeks. I've got to go. She would have missed it, right? She, how many people did she encourage at 83 so many years later, right? So let's, here we go. Let's do it. Let's practice it, all right? So you're speaking to yourself, right? You're speaking over your soul and your body. Let's do it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, forgiven of all my sins, cleansed, once forever. Now you see the scriptures down at the bottom. We take a picture of this phone. This is from last week. We went through a number of scriptures talking about the connection between righteousness and healing. Okay? There is no condemnation for me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death forever. We're fellowshipping with Christ right now. Do you know that? We are. We're fellowshipping with him as we speak his word with our mouth and believe it in our heart. Our relationship with him grows stronger. That's what we're doing. Soul, hear me. Body, hear me. He has forgiven all your sins. He has healed all your diseases. He has redeemed you from destruction. He has crowned you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Next one. Amen. Amen. Your flesh is fresher than a child's. You're the very picture of health. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. Let's say that again. Your flesh is fresher than a child. This is right from the Scriptures. You're the very picture of health. What Scriptures you say? Well, you should have been here last week. Get the message. All right, do it again. Your flesh is fresher than a child's. You're the very picture of health. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. I am strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The Lord is the strength of my soul. The Lord is the strength of my body. The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't that wonderful? So when we're doing that, we're making Jesus the captain of our attention. That's how you do it. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. It doesn't work. You fight thoughts with words. So you take control of your mind by speaking with your mouth, all right? That'll set you free mentally. Stop fighting thoughts with thoughts. Fight thoughts with your mouth. Your mouth trumps your thoughts. 
So that's what we were just doing. We're making Jesus the captain of our attention by speaking his word with our mouth and believing it in our heart, all right? Hallelujah. So last week we saw there's a connection between righteousness and health. God, when he gave us Jesus, he gave us his righteousness. Let's put 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 up there. Speaking of what God did through Jesus, for, for God, that's who's talking about, for God made Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf or for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why God gave us Jesus. He took our sins, put them on Jesus, and he gave us the very righteousness of his son. So we declare that, right? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The devil doesn't want you to believe that. He doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to be condemned and frustrated and discouraged because of the mistakes you've made. So can you make a mistake and still be the righteousness of God in Christ? Yes. Right? It's not based on how perfect you live. I know that might sound crazy, but it's based on how perfect Jesus lived. So it frees us up to stop walking on eggshells and to begin walking with him. Yes. Right? Because if you're so concerned about messing up, guess what you're going to do? Mess up more than you would if you weren't so concerned about messing up, right? So we're not concerned about messing up. We're, our focus is on knowing him and walking with him, all right? Now, Matthew 12, 34. Can you put that one up there? I like what this says. For out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks, right? So if you're not speaking the promises of God from your mouth, that's because there's not an abundance of them in your heart. So what's coming out of your mouth reveals what the abundance of your heart contains, right? It's important to know that. Some people struggle. Say, well, I don't know that. How do I say that? You start filling yourself up with them. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That just flows in, out of my mouth. Because, boy, I spent so much time meditating on the reality of that and speaking that and memorizing that and meditating on it. So if they're not flowing out of your mouth, are, are worries coming out of your mouth? Frustrations? Why? Because that's what's, what, what's filling up your heart. See? So you know what's in your heart. We can't, we can't look with an x-ray in our heart and see what's really going on in there, but we can know by the way we speak. Anger coming out, frustration, worry, fear, stress, what's coming out? It's good to know the condition of your heart. And don't, don't if you find out, you know what, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of stuff coming out that I don't want coming out. Well, you change that by filling yourself up with the promises of God. You want his promises to be coming out of your mouth, not worry, fear, stress, right? And, and we can do that no matter what's happening in the world. Isn't that great? Right? There's no expiration date on his promises. So we fill our hearts and minds with them regardless of what circumstances we're facing. Hallelujah. All right, are you ready for this? Yes. You know my external defibrillator anointing, right? Clear. We're going to go into another one here. Are you, are you willing to let God be good to you? Would you let him be good to you? This is a serious question. Because, you know, we, we don't feel like we even deserve to talk to him. And in one sense, that's true based on our own past. But we're not basing that on our... Jesus came and saved us, right? We're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. But now we're saved by grace. Now we're his sons and daughters. And he longs to be good to you. Would you let him? How do I let him? By believing in what he said. By believing in his promises. We're going to talk, we talked about the connection between righteousness and healing. And I said at the beginning of this series, we're going to talk about spirit, soul, body, and finances. So we're going to bring it to a close today, talking about the connection between righteousness and provision. God's provision for your life. Finances. All right? Is that okay? Can we really talk about money in church? We can. We should. Right? Because money has no hold on us. When something doesn't have a hold on you, you're not afraid to talk about it. 
right? You're not all uptight about it. You can talk about it. You're free from it. So I like this word provision. It's a powerful word. But if you split it apart, you've got the prefix pro, and then you've got the word vision. Pro means before. Vision means to see. It means to see before. So to God has seen your needs before you did, and he made provision for them before you knew about them. Isn't that wonderful? So provision is to see ahead of time and make preparations ahead of time. Create a supply ahead of time. And it's a great comfort when you realize God knows my life Monday. But it's only Sunday, but he already knows what's happening. He knows my life on August 3rd, 2016. And he's already made an abundant provision for me today on July 10th. Yeah, isn't that amazing to think about? He's seen before what's coming, and he's made abundant provision for us. So not only does God know what's coming, but he knows what you've been through. And before you went through what you've been through, God made provision for you. And that provision is, is so strong and so uh, abundant, it will heal you of what you've been through. It will restore you and make you whole. God's provision for your life is infinitely greater than what you've been through. Isn't that wonderful? So my past is covered. My future is covered. I guess I don't have anything to worry about. You're right. Good conclusion. Good thinking. That's a good good logical argument, right? Okay, now I'm going to get into something touchy here. Got your seatbelts on. All of us have been through things that were N-O-T, spells not the will of God for our lives. I know there are those who say differently, but the fact is, all of us have been through things that were not the will of God for our lives. We're, we're dereligifying here, all right? We've got to debunk some thinking here to clear the way for God to show himself, all right? The basic message I've heard from, from a lot of different places is that God is controlling everything. Not every, every place teaches that or every church, but that's an, there's an underlying message that God is controlling everything and that everything that happens to us is God's will. The Bible does not teach that. Jesus' example that that was not the case. He faced a lot of opposition. He had to rebuke storms. He had to rebuke demons. He had to rebuke sickness and disease. had to rebuke religious leaders, all right? And, and those things were not brought on by his father. If he was rebuking those things which were brought on by his father, he would have been rebuking his father. And God and Jesus are always on the same page, right? There's no kind of shenanigans going on in heaven, right? God's not some sly con man who promises you one thing and then comes around in the back door and twists it and does another, all right? Now, are you okay? One of the reasons that everything that, that happens is not God's will is the Scriptures tell us Satan is the God of this world. Man gave him that authority. Jesus took it back and gives it to anyone who will believe. He's given it back to us to take authority over our lives, not over other people's lives, but over our lives. We can't control someone else. Another reason that everything that happens is not the will of God is because God didn't make robots. We're not robots, Right? We're, we're made in his image with a free will, and we can believe and say and do whatever we want to do. God is not going to come in and make me do what's right. He doesn't operate that way, all right? He's not a, a, a heavy, a bully, a thug, you know? I'm going to make you obey me. That's not how he operates. He's perfect love. So perfect love is so secure. Perfect love loves and gives and presents itself to the object of that love and then realizes that that object, that person has to receive it 
and walk in it, but I can't do anything about that other than love them, right? Other than love them, pray for them, and give to them. Well, that's what God has done through Jesus. So are you ready? Here's something I've heard so many believers say over the years. Everything happens for a reason. That's equivalent to saying God's controlling everything. What's being implied when people say everything's happening for a reason is that God ultimately is behind it all. The Bible doesn't teach that. Okay? So I want to do everything I can to help you change the way you think and get to know him as he is. Everything, let's think about that for a second. Again, what's implied underneath that is that God ultimately is behind everything I've been through. Let's spend a few moments here and talk about this. Now, there are reasons behind things. One of the reasons is Satan's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. And God is not in a partnership with Satan. He has no need of him at all. It was never God's plan for Lucifer to rebel and, and, and the angels he convinced to go with him. It was never God's plan for Lucifer to seize the sovereignty from Adam, Satan. It was never God's plan for that to happen, but it did because God gave man free will, all right? So God doesn't need Satan to accomplish his plan in your life. Far from it. Far from it. He has someone called the Holy Spirit who's pure love, who will never harm you, all right? The way we learn from God is by believing in his promises, not by going through trials. Hold on a minute. Ready? Trials don't make us stronger. If that was the case, everyone would be Hercules, right? What makes us stronger? Putting our faith in the promises of God and applying them to the circumstances of our life. That's what makes us stronger. I know people who've gone through very similar situations. One came out stronger, the other one came out weaker. Trials don't make us stronger. What we believe makes us stronger. All right? Okay, very important to understand that. So, in other words, so someone might say, boy, in other words, something happened in my life years ago. It was a difficult situation, may even been tragic, you know, or something. And, I, and in the midst of that, it wasn't God's plan, but maybe I trusted God through that, or maybe I didn't, but somehow it worked out, and, and I came through it, and I look back and say, you know what? I come to a conclusion, and this is a wrong conclusion, I'm glad I went through that because now I, I'm better off or now I understand some things. That's, an, that's a misunderstanding, okay? The enemy might bring things into your life or sometimes things happen because we made a bad decision. <laughs> Hello. We, and maybe we made a series of bad decisions. Let's not put that on God, right? Or, or sometimes things happen because just this world's covered in the curse of sin. It's a chaotic place. Okay? Just like the weather. There's so many variables in the weather. God's not controlling the weather. Okay? It can be raining one minute on one side of the highway and clear on the other. All right? So what? Does God like those going north and not those going south? Or, you know, that's serious. It's just silly. Okay? So thank, now, here's the thing. God endeavors to work all things out for your good. So maybe the enemy came in to your life, or you made a series of bad decisions, or just Something happened, and God went to work to try and turn that thing around. So you came out saying, wow. But the reason that you came out stronger and victorious is not because you went through that thing. It's because God went to work and working all things out for you. Right? So we don't thank God that we went through it. We thank God that he showed up. You see the difference? It's a different way of thinking. Right? So we give praise to him as he's working all things out for He's accomplishing the things that concern us. It's a different way of thinking. And it can be a very subtle shift in the way that you look at things. But that's what we do. So God's provision for our life is greater than what we've been through. And thank God for everything that we've gone through that he's brought us through it. Right? And that we're here today. And that we have a testimony. But our testimony is not uh, going through trials. Our testimony that God is faithful in the midst of those trials, right? That he's greater than what we've been through. So, uh, okay, you all right? To, to that, we, we, we can go forward now. All right, so let's talk about money. 
All right? Dollar signs, moolah, dinero, clams, right? Do you know that money is not evil? It's not. It's just a thing, right? There's nothing evil. Having money doesn't make you greedy. Do you know that? What does the Bible say is evil, the root of all of it? The love of money. So what religion has done is putting the emphasis on money, saying that's evil. They missed the whole scripture. No, it's greed that's evil. The love of money is a figure of speech, another way of saying selfishness, right, or greed. And, you know, there are people with a lot of money who aren't greedy, and there are people with very little money who are greedy. So how much money you have does not affect whether you're greedy or not. What does? What you believe. What you choose to value in your life. What you treasure. If you treasure yourself, you'll be greedy whether you've got a dollar or a million dollars. Right? So it's very important that we, that we believe the right things about God and about what he's provided for us because there are many churches afraid to talk about money. And we're not done yet. We've got a few more things to say to clear, Okay. So having money doesn't make you greedy, and not having money doesn't make you greedy, all right? Here we go. It's God's will for you to be wealthy. I know that red alert just went off in Religiousville, and the troops are on their way with the sirens on to put me in jail, but it's true anyway. It's God's will for you to prosper. We're going to look at the scriptures here. Don't believe anything because I said it. What I say doesn't amount to anything. It's what Jesus said. So what we endeavor to do is just to say what he says. All right? So it's God's will for us to prosper. Why? Because he's a good father. Would you as a father want your child to lack and be without for the rest of their lives? Of course not. Wouldn't that be warped and twisted? As a father, you want your child to prosper. You want them to do well. How much more him? Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11? All right, so we're just going to read some scriptures. We're going to read a bunch of them. I just like to let the Bible do the talking. All right? Let's start with Jesus, the captain of our attention, in verse 10 of chapter 10 in the book of John. John 10, verse 10. We're just going to let Jesus do the talking, let God's word settle the issue for us. Because I know this is another uh, area where there's a lot of criticism that people shouldn't be preaching that God wants you to prosper and we shouldn't be talking about finances and money in church. I understand why that's said. But I also understand the promises of God. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. What I love about this is I didn't ask him to say this. He, he, he existed before any human being ever did. He always was, always will be. He is speaking what the Father told him to say. That's what he did. That's how he operated. So this is straight from the throne of heaven. All right? Can't get any more legit than this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. All right? So he's setting up a contrast here. Is Jesus the thief? You sure? Okay. Sometimes some messages I hear, I wonder what they really think of Jesus. But he's not the thief. I'll just help you out. He's not saying, I'm the thief, and I've come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's setting up a contrast between him and the thief. You see that in the Scripture? He's not introducing himself as a thief. He's saying the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In stark contrast to the thief, right, I came for the opposite reason, that they may have life and might have it abundantly. That is an all-encompassing statement if I've ever heard one. Let's read it in the Amplifier. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Just reading the Bible. Weast New Testament. I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in superabundance. I wonder if that includes money. 
New Living Translation. My purpose, this is Jesus talking straight from the throne of heaven, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Hmm. New century version. But I came to give life, life in all its fullness. Message translation. I came to give more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You ever watch those game shows, right? And they have your, like, you win your dream vacation. When we dream of an abundant life, does it include prosperity? Of course it does. Of course it does. That's not wrong. That's not greed. God made us in his image. That's a part of knowing him is an abundant supply. We're just reading the Bible here. Now, let's, let's go to, that's, that's John 10.10. 10. Let's go to another scripture, Jeremiah 29.11. The NIV. Again, straight from the throne of heaven. This is God talking. No committee petitioned him to come up with this. This was his heart, his initiative as a perfect father. He said, for I know, no one put me up to this. I know what's in my heart, Right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. So in my heart, I want to prosper you. I have plans to do it. This is God talking. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Sounds like Matthew 7, 9 through 11, right? That's the, any father would desire that for his child. That's one of the simplest questions to ask when you're reading the scriptures. It, would a good father do that? And when you're trying to understand God. If you think God would do something to harm you, ask yourself a question. Would a good father do that to his child? If the answer is no, then I've misunderstood the scriptures about God. I need to study some more. I need to go back to Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Right? Great question for Bible study. Would a good father do that regarding the character of God? Let's look at another scripture. Here go. Here come a number of them. Are you ready? Proverbs 10.22. I didn't write this. Written long before I ever knew how to write. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Can you get simpler than that? And he adds no trouble to it. Man, that's good. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Proverbs 21, 21. Here's a kicker. You ready? He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Interesting to note. If I remember correctly, the Hebrew word for righteousness and prosperity in that, in that verse is the same word used because they're connected. Righteousness and prosperity are connected in the Bible. Words are interchangeable. Isn't that amazing? Let's read another scripture. Proverbs 22.4. Now this one will really flip your religious boat right over, Right? Humility and the fear of the Lord. I should have covered that up. What would you think humility and the fear of the Lord bring? Well, the Scripture says they bring wealth, honor, and life. Isn't that something? Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. I'm so glad for His Word. So we don't have to listen to what man says. We have a higher authority. How about another one? How about Psalm 23.1? That's a well-known scripture. Amplified says, The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. Let's read another scripture. Psalm 34, verse 8 and following. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Well, what does his goodness mean in our lives? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What does the word blessed mean? How would you define that word? Well, the Amplified defines blessed as happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words defines the word blessed as this. Are you ready? The state of prosperity that comes when a superior bestows his favor on one. When you put your faith in Christ, God bestowed his favor on you. When a king gives his favor to you, that translates into uh, prosperity. Depending on the king, the heart of the king. And we're talking about perfect love here. So it's the state of prosperity that comes when a superior bestows his favor on one. Taste and see that the Lord is good, our superior. Blessed, he bestows this state of prosperity on those who take refuge in him. Do you know when we believe things that are contrary to his promises, we're, we're, we're not taking refuge in him? Okay, so I, someone comes along and tells me that humility means being poor or being without, and I believe that. What am I doing? I'm not taking refuge in him. I'm taking refuge in what someone's told me. But those who take refuge in him, he bestows a state of prosperity on them, is what the Scripture says. Let's keep reading. Verse 9, it gets real clear here. Fear the Lord, that's having an awesome reverence for God. That's our step number one in Built Jesus Tough. Make him the passion of your life, right? Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. So God has already purposed that we should not lack, right? Verse 10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, right? So it's our decision he already made his. We have to make ours. Those who've made him the passion of their lives, right, lack no good thing. Wow. All right, let's keep reading. How about Psalm 112? Oh, this is a great one. Yeah, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed. Is that word again? Blessed. Right? A state of prosperity that comes from God. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. There's step number two of Built Jesus Tough. Build your life on his promises, right? It, there's nothing that brings me more joy than his promises. That's why when you're delighting yourself in his promises, you're filling your mind up with them. You're filling your heart up with them. We were talking to Mariah the other day. At work, she had a responsibility that didn't... Uh, Keep her moving a lot. She had a lot of free time. I said, oh, well, that's a great time to just go over the promises of God. And that's something I started doing in 1989. Man, I had 10 minutes, and I just whip out my notebook and go over the promises of God. Boy, did that change my life. I still do it today. Now they're all on my phone. You know, if I get a little time, boom, sometimes I don't have to whip it out. I just start going over them because I spend time. So we're, we're, we're like that. We're delighting ourselves in his promise. We're delighting ourselves, and we're filling ourselves up with them constantly. Not because something's wrong or something. We're just delighting ourselves in Him, right? We're not waiting for some, something to happen to all of a sudden say, okay, I've got to pray, I've got to read the Bible. No, we're delighting ourselves in it, right? That's, yeah, that's God's promise to us, right? So wealth and rich. Oh, I didn't read that one yet. I'm sorry. How far did I get? Okay, go to the next one. I don't want to go too far here. Verse 2, too far, too fast. His children, that's what seed means, right? His children shall be mighty Upon earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed, shall enjoy this state of prosperity that the King of Kings has bestowed on us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Right? Are you ready for verse 3? Didn't write it. I really didn't. Go ahead. Let's read this out loud. Wealth and riches shall be in His house. Yeah, and his righteousness. No. See the connection again? Wealth, riches, righteousness. Now, I'll just tell you, when I grew up, I had to live with my grandpa for a while, and, and, I, and I love my grandpa, I'm not trying to disrespect him. 
But I heard a lot of criticism of people. A lot of criticism. And there is a, a thinking that um, basically America should be taking care of him and sending him checks in the mail. And uh, I was a kid, and I didn't really understand. As, but I got older, I started thinking, wait a minute. And then I started reading the Bible. Oh, boy. You know, where does thinking come from? And there was a criticism of people who had money. And then I got older, and I started to get to know people who were doing very well financially. I've, some, I've met some of the best people on earth who were doing well financially. They weren't greedy. They had a hearts of, of, of generosity and benevolence. And I found those things I heard growing up weren't true, didn't hold water, right? So you got to be careful what you listen to. God planned for you to prosper, all right? All right, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. All right, now let's see here. So God wanted you to prosper so much, he sent his son. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, God sending his son equating to financial prosperity, but it does. It's not the only thing, but it's a part of it, all right? So let's look at a, a very popular verse, but God is revealing the, his desire for you by giving you his son. God gave us Jesus. Jesus is God's provision for your life. And it's amazing that God saw the needs of every human being and was able to meet those needs abundantly through one gift, Jesus. But he did it. The sacrifice of Jesus has made God's provision available to anyone who would believe. All right? So let's look at John 3.16. We're going to connect this there. For God so loved the world... Remember those plans in his heart in Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you to prosper you. That's what moved him to do this, to send his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now let's connect this with Romans chapter 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, God so loved the world he gave his son. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Have you ever connected Romans 8.32 with John 3.16? They're connected, aren't they? Right? God so loved the world that he gave his son. Because he did that, we know now that he'll freely give us all things. Very important. All right? Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. When we put our faith in Jesus, we open the door for God's provision in our lives. God wants to provide for you financially through His Son. All right? And not just financially. We're talking about finances right now. But God wants to provide financially through faith in His Son. All right? God has wanted to provide for you for so long, he began broadcasting this all the way back in Genesis, that his son was coming. His son is coming. And remember, why did he give us his son? He loved us, right? And because he desired to freely give us all things. God couldn't give to us like he wanted to give to us if he hadn't given us his son. See, it's Christ that's opened the door for God's provision to flow in our lives. But that door will close if you don't realize it's there for you. If you start listening to religious teaching that tells you money's bad and God doesn't want us to prosper and humility means being without. We just read a number of scriptures that tell us that's quite untrue. All right? So, one of my favorite guys in scripture is good old Abe. Not Abe Lincoln. He wasn't around yet. But Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of our faith. Why does the Bible call him the father of our faith? Abraham lived hundreds of years before the law. Did you know that? There were no Ten Commandments when Abraham lived. He had a relationship with God, not a religion. Religion's based on law. 
relationships based on promise. Okay? What are you living by? Law or promises? God spoke to a man called Abram at the time. We'll call him Abraham. And he said, I want you to come out from your family. Come out from what you're familiar with, and I want you to follow me. And he listened and obeyed. He had no Moses, no prophets, no Ten Commandments, just heard God's voice. And he listened and obeyed. That's the purity of relationship God desires with you. That he speaks and you receive. Okay? So Abraham had a relationship with God, not a religion. There wasn't a law around. It was built on the promises God gave to him. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. From you, basically, is going to come the Messiah. But Abraham's life circumstances didn't seem to line up with God's promise. Have you ever had that happen? He tells us in Hebrew that his wife was beyond the age of childbearing, and on top of that, she was barren. Right? But God said, I'm going to give you a son, and from you, your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And in Genesis 17, God revealed himself to us and to Abraham as El Shaddai. Well, that's a powerful name of God if you ever study that out. It's been translated as the one who, God who is more than enough, and that's excellent. But it, 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 it's a combination of the word mountain and of the word breast. In other words, a, a, a baby receives nourishment from his mother's breasts, and a mountain is a symbol of strength. In other words, saying, I am God, your great strength and your great provision. I am God who's more than enough. It's how he revealed himself to Abraham because you can imagine God coming to you and saying that. That would seem impossible, wouldn't it? I'm going to be the father of many nations. My wife is barren. We're beyond the age of childbearing. How's this going to happen? God said, I'm El Shaddai. I I live in the impossible realm. So in Genesis 20, so so for time's sake, let's zip along here. So it comes, it comes to pass. Abraham believes God. It's credited to him for righteousness, it says in Romans. And his son is born. Sarah gets pregnant. They have a child, and his name is Isaac, right? Remember Isaac? Um, we used to have an ice cream place when I was growing up called Isaac's. We'd go there and get Klondike bars. Woo-wee! You guys ever had Klondike bars? Anyway. But this was Isaac. <laughs> he was born, and then... Years later, probably when he was in his mid-teens, late teens as a young man, the Lord spoke to him. Now, he's already given Abraham a promise, said, through your, your seed, your son, all the nations of the earth can be blessed. Then he says, I want you to sacrifice your son. That would seem like a contradiction. But it tells us in Hebrews that Abraham reasoned that, that if God had to raise his son from the dead, he would. That no matter what, because God's promised me this son, he's going to go all the way and fulfill his destiny. So once you have a promise from God, don't go back on it. Know that God will be faithful to carry it out. Stay with his promise no matter what. All right? And Abraham did. He obeyed God right away. He gathered his son. He gathered his his things. And they went up onto Mount Moriah to worship the Lord and to sacrifice his son. That's an act of faith, isn't it? Right? So Mount Moriah, the Bible scholars say, is the same mount that Jesus was crucified on. See, you, you, you need to see the broadcasting that God did in the Old Testament of his son. And this is probably my favorite example. That God was saying, I'm going to give my son for the world that they would be blessed, that their lives would be changed. So Abraham's on the way up Mount Moriah, and his son says, Dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And what did Abraham say? Do you remember? The Lord will provide. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he knew he was going to provide. Isn't that good? We need to know the same thing. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but I have a promise from God, and he will provide. That's all I need to know. That's faith, isn't it? This is the father of our faith, going up a mountain to do what God told him to do, and he's doing it built on a promise. God's promise is giving him the strength to climb that mountain, right? And they get to the top of the mountain. He ties us. He lays and he prepares his son for the sacrifice. Isaac had faith too, didn't he? 
right? It takes faith to do that, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> you bet your boots, right? <laughs> and as Abraham lifts his hand to sacrifice his son, an angel stops him. Stop, right? And tells him, you know, you're, you, you, you have demonstrated that you're all in, you know, that you believe God's promise, that you're walking with him. And Abraham looks, and what's Abraham see? Caught in the thicket over there. A ram, right? And then Abraham says something right here. This is God's provision for us. Verse 14 of Genesis 22. So Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh, right? Or Yireh in the Hebrew. The Lord will provide. Remember provision? The Lord saw my needs ahead of time and created an abundant supply for me. Right? And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord where Jesus was crucified, right? it will be provided. What will be provided? All that God has. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you everything. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you the routing number to his bank account. That might seem a little crude, but I'm getting a point across. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you access to his funds. Now, we're going to read a few more scriptures and we're going to be done. All right? God saw your need ahead of time and he made abundant provision for you. So now in the scriptures, we go to the New Testament talking about what God has done. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, As it is written, eyes not seen... Ears not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, man didn't come up with this. God did, right? But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. And he's doing that right now. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, not the Spirit of religion, but the Spirit who's from God, why? That we might know and be sure of. That we might be certain and confident of the things that have been, remember Romans 8.32, freely given to us by God. These things we're speaking right now. Right? We're speaking these things, whether it's popular or not, or whether we get criticized for it or not. We've got to speak these things. It's been revealed to us by God's Spirit through His Word. Can you handle just a few more? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, why would he do that? So that you through his poverty might become rich. Religious leaders start to freak out on this. You, you can't say that. He's not talking about money. He's talking about going to heaven. No, he's not. Read the whole chapter. Paul is talking about moolah, money, denaro, clams. All right? That's what he's talking about. If you keep the scripture in context, he means rich, rich. Money, money, all right? And obviously in other ways, but it includes finances. Second Corinthians, let's just flip the page to chapter 9, verse 8. If this is in prosperity, I don't know what is. And God is able to make all grace, God riches at Christ's expense, every favor. Remember what blessed means? Right, he bestowed his favor on you. Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, why? So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. This is the year for us to go into overflow into more than enough so that every person that is here in Highway Church would operate from abundance, not lack. Amen. We're operating from abundance. We always, under all circumstances, whatever the need be, are self-sufficient. Right? We're abounding in this. All right. One, 
Two more scriptures. Here we go. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to your salary. According to the current minimum wage. No. According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's supernatural. God's Word translation says it this way. My God, you got that one in there? My God will richly fill your every need in a glorious way through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. I like that. My God will richly fill your every need in a glorious way through Christ Jesus. Amplified says it this way. My God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need. The message says it this way. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Wow. God's bigger than us, isn't he? Right? He's greater than us. He's better. He's gooder. Right? Weymouth. Weymouth. But my God, so great is his wealth of glory in Christ. Jesus will fully supply every need of yours. New Living Translation. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Last scripture. Are you ready? 1 Timothy 6.17 Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God. And what does God do? Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Amen. This is who He is. Now we're going to speak it. Are you ready? This is what we do. We read it, we speak it. Put that confession up there, E. All right? Now the Scriptures, you'll see the Scriptures on the last slide. So you can take a picture of it to have all the Scriptures. But we're going to speak this over our lives. We speak to our financial life. We speak to every area of our lives. Ready? So you can take pictures of these. There's two slides or three? Two slides. So the Scriptures are on the bottom of the second slide. A number, not all of them, but some of the ones we just went over. All right, let's say this out loud. We're speaking over our lives. Father, thank you for being my provider, my shepherd. I shall not lack. You richly supply me with all things to enjoy. Thank you for making your son Jesus poor and that through his poverty I have become rich. Thank you for causing all grace to abound unto me, so that in all things, at all times, having all that I need, I abound in every good work. Thank you for liberally supplying all my need with your abundant supply. Amen. Lack. You got to speak to lack. You know that? Speak to the situation. Lack, take your hands off my finances. Wealth and riches are in my house. I am blessed. My children are blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Thank you, Father. Your blessing is upon my life and it brings wealth and adds no sorrow to it. Amen. Hallelujah. We're rejoicing in it. Isn't God good? It's so good to just let the Bible change the way we think. And that's what we're doing. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, you're all that we could ever want. You're so much more that we could ever dream of. And we thank you, Lord. When you gave us Jesus, you abundantly supplied us in every area of our lives, spiritually, 
mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and we thank you for it, Lord. We're not going to limit you. Lord, you are limitless, and we take you at your word, and we thank you for your promises fulfilled in our financial lives, Lord God. You are our provider. You saw our financial needs before we ever knew about them, and you made abundant provision for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. I speak over every life within the sound of my voice here today and online through every life that every life would receive the blessing of your favor over their finances, over every checking account, every savings account, every investment account, every business, every business transaction, the state of your favor, the state of your prosperity, your blessing and favor over these people and over this church. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.